0: You got your own little rock fans there, your rock fan with your bulletin, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm as cool as can be. I was born cool, but that's a whole other story. It's fantastic to see so many of you out tonight. I appreciate you coming out tonight. I'm hoping, but I don't know for sure. But I'm assuming that you're here tonight because you're looking for something more. I think most people are. You ever felt like you're just kind of going through life, but you're going through the motions? You're just kind of dragging along? You ever feel like this Christian life that you heard was supposed to be so abundant and so wonderful has become wearisome? And burdensome. I've talked to many people over the years, many young people over the years, many middle-aged, old people over the years, and they'll often say to me, "You know, Mark, I just don't, I just don't feel inspired anymore. I, I'm frankly, I'm bored. I'm disinterested. I'm disillusioned, and I'm not sure I want to do this." Christian thing anymore. And then there's other people who are just not sure they want to do this life thing anymore. But yet inside of every single person, there is a longing, an absolute longing that every one of us share in common to experience an inspired and passionate life. Is it possible? Can it be a reality? That's what I want to talk about the next three or four weeks, the passionate life. Let me, um, let me just share with you what passion means so we're all on the same page. Passion applies to an emotion that is deeply stirring and ungovernable, an intense driving or overmastering feeling of conviction, an ardent, Affection, a strong liking or desire for a devotion to some activity, object, or concept. That's what most people want in their life. That's what they want to experience in their life. And in fact, this is why so many people are in love with love. This is why so many people go from one person to the next to the next. Because the buzz is gone with her. So I go to someone else for a new buzz. And then it's gone with him. And then I go to someone else for a new buzz. And then it's gone with them. And then someone for a while, they may try alcohol. They might try drugs. They may try experimentation. They may travel to different places in the world all the while thinking to themselves that I'm going to eventually find that thing that lights my fire and keeps it lit. You know why? Do you know why we go looking for that? Because you were born for that, you were created for that, and it is your birthright by God. But most people... To be very honest with you, never find it. Not the rich, not the famous, not the poor, not the infamous, not the ordinary. Most people never discover it, but it's discoverable. It's possible for every single person. And I want to talk with you about it. I'm going to share some of my own experience with you. But when I think of the passionate life, Seriously, for the last 30 years, when I think of the passionate life, there is one person who continually comes to mind. And in fact, it's ironic that one of our cities is named after that man, St. Paul. When I think of the passionate life, I think of this man, the Apostle Paul. Now, many of you may not know this. You may not understand it. You may not grasp it. Hopefully you will a little more tonight and a little more at the end of this series. There was a world once upon a time that was different than the world you and I live in today. We tend to live in the now, and we don't always understand what happened before us. But many, 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 many thousands of years ago, in the ancient world, it was a kingdom. The kingdom was one of the most powerful that has ever been. In fact, it covered far more square miles than the United States. And in its time, was far more powerful. And it was the kingdom of Rome. One man's passion. One man's passionate life. And this is not my summation of his life but the summation of countless historians, both secular and sacred. One man's passion turned the ancient Roman world upside down. He changed forever our world. Not only the Roman world, but our world as we know it today. Through the proclamation and the spread of Christianity, this little man... Change the world. Where did Paul's passion come from? And why did Paul possess such a great passion? And is it possible for you and I to experience that same kind of life? The answer, I believe, can be found in the sacred text. The answer can be found in revealed to us In that which Paul experienced and which God intended for each of us to experience. In Acts chapter 26, Paul has traveled throughout the ancient world. And he's now standing before a king, King Agrippa. He's standing as a prisoner. And Paul begins his defense in front of this king. His name was King Agrippa. And Paul made a gesture with his hand, and and there was lots and lots of people standing around. Public officials, the king, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious people, irreligious people. Paul begins his defense. And he talks about the fact that he was persecuting the church. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many of the believers in Jerusalem to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. In other words, Paul sent Christians to their death. Many times I had them whipped in the synagogues to try to get them to curse Christ. I was so violently opposed to them that I even hounded them in distant cities of foreign lands. So here's this man. This man whose name was Saul. Also Paul. He was violent. A violent, violent man. He hated Christians. Now, now you may have experienced people in your job or in life, your neighborhood, or your dorm room who do not like Christians. This guy hated Christians. He drugged them from their homes. He got them to try to curse Christ. He had them beaten. He cast his vote because he had authority to have them jailed and even killed. And it was Paul's authority through which Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death. What happened to this guy? Paul tells us, one day, I was on such a mission to get those Christians. And I was headed for Damascus. I was armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest about noon. Your Majesty, about noon, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to fight against my will. Who who are you, sir? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now stand up, for I have appeared to you to appoint you. I have called you as my servant. And my witness, you are to tell the world about this experience and about other times I will appear to you and I will protect you from your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to my heavenly vision. This is an amazing thing. You may not know this unless, like me, for the last 30 years, you've studied history. Now, I have not studied all the ins and outs. I don't know about the Maccabean Wars because they don't really relate to my life. But this relates to my life. And what happened in Rome relates to my life. And you have to understand that the Gentile world, when God says, I will send you the Gentiles, He means all other people who are not Jewish. That's all of us. God sent Peter to the Jews. And so Paul has now spent, this is nearing the end of his life, he has spent years of his life traveling walking traveling by ship traveling by caravan in danger from bandits in danger from the mobs been in prison many many times in his life he's been whipped he's been stoned what drove this man he tells us agrippa i was not disobedient to my heavenly calling to my heavenly vision. You see, Paul had a moment with God. And God intervened in Paul's world. Paul was going along his life, going his merry way, doing that which he thought he should give his life to. And God turned this man on a dime, 180 degrees the other way. How? Why? And how do you and I tap into that life. To me, there's no other life apart from this life. There is no other life. I would not even tell one person about Christ if I did not believe that God had the same calling and the same passionate life for every single Christian. This would be a farce and I would walk away from it. And I see many today who claim the name of Christ but are missing the passion They're missing the inspiration. They're missing the drive and the motivation to get up every single day out of their bed. Do you know why? Because they forgot their God moment. Paul never forgot it. He nurtured it. He never forgot that God moment. He treasured it in his heart. Do you remember the story of Mary? When the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you will... Be great with child. And He will be the Savior of the world. You know what the Bible says Mary did? The Bible says Mary treasured these things up in her heart. Do you know what often we do? Do you know what the Israelites did? They forgot God. They forgot what God had done. You and I forget what God has done. And when we forget what God has done for me... And in my life, and in my world, and I don't nurture the memory, and I don't live in the present reality of that vision and that calling, I live a passionless, dreary, meaningless, drudgery, pathetic Christian life. And that is not what God has for you. God has for you, Jesus said, I came that you might have a life, and that you might have it to the fullest. What did the apostles see, the disciples, the early Christians see in the Lord Jesus. They saw a man for whom the Bible says, zeal for your house consumes me. Zeal and passion, synonyms. Same word. Enthusiasm, same word. Passion, zeal, enthusiasm. Jesus had it. Jesus said one time when the disciples came back from a long journey and He had just been talking to a woman. And he said, Lord, here's some food. Eat. He said, I'm not hungry. He said, what do you mean you're not hungry? It was a long journey. He said, I have food you don't know about. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. What was Jesus saying? He said, guys, listen to me. There's a passion in my life. There's a drive in my life that feeds and energizes my spirit. And it's the will and the calling and the divine plan of God for my life. And Jesus knew it and Paul knew it and the early church was ablaze with it and they turned their world upside down. And in America, the Christians don't have the faintest idea, many of them, of what this life is meant to be. And there's no drive. And there's no overarching cause. And there's no reason for them to get out of bed. And church has just become a hobby. And what they're really passionate about is their new LED plasma television. Or relationship. Or this thing. Or that thing over there. And they've given up their birthright. This thing here that moved Paul is the same thing that has been moving my life for 30 years. And I'm not lying to you. Some of you don't know that my AOL handle is Zeal for God. I picked it to remind myself of my purpose, of that which gives me passion. <clears throat> See, I, I, I was a young man once. It's hard to believe, but I was. I was 19 years old. And when I looked at life without knowing it, I came to the same conclusion Solomon did in Ecclesiastes. I just didn't know he'd written the book. Meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. What's the point? What's the point of it all? I want some excitement in my life. I want to do something that matters in my life. I want to make a difference in my life. I don't see any way to do it. It's just a joke. So off I went hitchhiking, looking for something. <clears throat> I looked forward to the mountains. I thought, you know, living kind of a hippie, wild, crazy life in the mountains, that'd be where it was at it wasn't there. I looked at it in Texas with my druggy marijuana addicted brothers. I worked with them on the oil fields. I went to the bars with them at night. I'd never done that. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I just observed. I didn't find it there. There was women there, it was empty. I went to California I thought, maybe I'll find it here. It was empty. I came home and thought, you know, maybe what I need to do is save a little money and next time I go, take my own little sports car, go in style, and maybe life and the quality of my life will be that much better. I had an awareness of God a little bit like Paul. See, Paul was very aware there was a God. He just wasn't aware Jesus was God and Jesus had plans for him. Now, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew that salvation stuff. I knew the things I was doing in my life was wrong, but I didn't care. <clears throat> I-, I wanted meaning, and I wanted purpose, and I knew you sure aren't going to find it with God. I bought this little sports car. <clears throat> it's a rare sports car. And one day I'm driving down the street of my town and this guy passes me in the same car. I've never seen another car like it actually in 30 years. To find two of them in the same little town just blew my mind. So we kind of honked at each other. I had no idea at that moment of the grand scheme of God in my life. I'm just going my merry way. Over the next two months, over the next two months, some very, very, very bizarre. Things Started to happen. And you know what? Many of you have had very similar things happen, but you did not recognize the voice of God in the tragedy. And one night, <clears throat> I was driving home from seeing the Who in concert. And it was about four in the morning. And again, alcohol, drugs, they were never my thing. So I was not under the influence. I hadn't drunk. I hadn't smoked. I was just really tired. And I'm driving home, Highway 35, just like the highway we have here, only it's down in Iowa. And I'm driving about this 70-mile stretch from Des Moines to where I lived. And all of a sudden, I woke up in the grass of the middle of the two highways and I'm driving the car. And I'm totally shocked and shook up. And, and I'm looking around me, how did I get here? And, and I'm actually driving, one like I stopped. And, you know, I could have hit a culvert, I could have hit one of those, you know... Dirt mounds that are in the middle of the ditch. I could have sideswiped someone. I could have been in the other freeway. Head-on collision. I could have hit a bridge embankment. I didn't. I got back on the highway. I was really freaked out. Rolled the window down. Turned the radio up as loud as it was a go because I had quite a bit longer ways to go. Three more times it happened on my way home. I remember finally crawling in bed for just about an hour before I had to be to work. And laying there wondering, how did I get home? How did I survive? And it really, really scared me to realize my time could have been the night. I could be a bloody, mangled mess right now, started to think. I still carried on the life that I was living. It was a very immoral life. One day, about a week later, I was driving to work. And, I, you know, I took some risk in this car because it would handle the road like a little go-kart. And from about here to that back wall, I'm driving in my lane. All of a sudden, this old guy, he pulls in my lane, and he's just coming at me head-on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a head-on collision. I didn't say, oh, my gosh, but that, that's all right. And anyway, yeah. so fortunately, I had this sports car that literally would maneuver on a dime, and I just, boom, boom, just like that. I was in the in the side of the road and back on the road, it was that fast I had to react, and I, had a, I would have had a head on collision. And my heart was pounding, and I was completely like, what the heck is going on? <clears throat> I took a left turn when I finally got to this town. I took it pretty fast. I took it at about 60 because the car would do it. And it turns out the whole road was covered with frost. I didn't see the frost and it was frosted, and the car just went out from under me. Just, just like if a motorcycle, you know, you laid it down, <clears throat> the car is just going. It's headed for the ditch. It's quite a drop off. I didn't have my seatbelt on. It was a ragtop, and I was thinking to myself, I'm either going to die or be paralyzed, really hurt. What the blank is going on? And I get to the ditch. It starts to go down. All of a sudden, the car just kind of catches and corrects itself, and, and I slowed it down, and Got back on the road, and my heart is pounding out of my chest. I take a right turn to go through the little school section. It's a 10-mile-an-hour zone in this little school section, and the factory where I worked was just on the other side of the school lot. And my accelerator surged forward by itself, surged forward, stuck. It's 60 miles an hour. I stuck it in neutral. The engine's revving really high. I turn it off. It kind of cough, 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 and I go in the parking lot. Finally, the car dies and my heart is pounding out of my chest. And I'm so mad and scared at the same time. I get out of the car. I kick the door. I went into the factory. Went into the little office where the the heat switches were. And I turned them on the wall. I turned around to go to the bathroom. And I heard a giant, kind of a whoosh sound, and I look out the window, and flames are shooting out of the heaters about 15 feet. There was a gas leak. You know, of course, I didn't realize that if the whole place had been full of gas, I'd have already been incinerated, that when you're freaked out, you're freaked out. I jumped through the door, down over the railing, landed on the gravel with a heavy thud, and I was really pissed, and I was really scared. So the gas company came and fixed the propane tank because the valve had stuck on. It froze on. So that night, I drove to get my car. First thing to get it fixed to find out why the accelerator stuck is I'm pulling up to this little shop. This other car, just like mine, is also pulling up. Guy gets out of it. He's got this leather jacket on, long hair, kind of like mine. We start talking. Next thing I know, I'm going, I know who this guy is. He's the local Jesus freak. He's that Jesus nut. Oh, man, I cannot believe we're driving the same car. (laughs) He's got the same problem with his car. So we're talking about it. I'm kind of distracting him a little bit so we don't start talking that Jesus stuff. So I get the accelerator fixed. The next day I go to work. And I'm remembering how there was frost on the highway, so I'm taking a little slower this time. And uh, sure enough, there was frost again. I took it slower. And as if someone on the other side of my bumper pushed me and just pushed me right in front this time, not to the side, but right in the other lane in oncoming traffic. And I was, uh, I was really, really, really scared. I deliberately steered the car over to the other side of the ditch and stopped it facing the wrong way. My heart's pounding out of my chest. I looked. I put it in first. I got back over to my lane. I took the little turn down through this little school section again, and my accelerator surged and stuck at 60 again. I pulled into the parking lot. The car is dieseling. I put it in first, let the clutch out, killed it kicked the car, I was so angry, I could not believe, I knew someone's playing with my life. And I walked into that office, and I turned up the heat, and I went to answer the phone, and there was the sound again, and the valve had froze open again, and 15 feet of flames are coming out under the ceiling, and I just, I'm like, I do not believe this, you know what. I drove, I drove home pretty slow that night. I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about God. That night, I was supposed to go see this girl I was going out with who I knew I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. I'd worked on my car um, the day before with my brothers. And I had to go get the accelerator checked again. Then we were doing a few more things on the car to get it to run. I went to pick up her stereo at this little, next to this pizza lounge place, and the stereo wasn't ready in my little town. And so I went out to get my car to go, and it wouldn't start, and I was enraged. I mean, I, was, I have a very, very, very bad temper. I mean, that's why I relate so much to Paul. The kind of temper that would easily put my fist through the roof. I don't care if I had to put duct tape on it. I would, I would punish that roof. And the car wouldn't start. I've already cracked the dash a number of times in that car. And I knew this time, you know, I'll do something. I may, I may break my hand. I don't want to go to the hospital. Just walk away from this car, Mark. So I got out of the car. And I walked into the pizza place. And I sat in the very back. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm saying a lot of really bad things in my head. But at the same time, I know, there's no coincidence, God, God is messing with me. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about life. No sooner I sat down in that seat than that Jesus freak nut walked into the pizza lounge. And I'm like, do not make eye contact. Just keep your faith. Kind of put my head like this. And I looked up to see if my pizza was ready. Sure enough, he sees me, waves, and he comes walking over. And he always had this line after he said hi to you. He's like, you've been thinking about spiritual things lately? He just, guy, didn't. The guy didn't mess around. He just he just got right to the point. And I thought, you know what? He comes over here to now find out what he's really made of. So he came over and he did the thing. I said, sit down. I said, let me tell you what's been going on in my life. So I started telling started telling about this girl. He said, that wouldn't be so and so, would it? I said, oh, you've got to be kidding. You know her? He goes, oh yeah. Uh, She was in my Bible study. I led her to Christ. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, that's all I need is to be messing around with one of God's little girls. This is not a good situation that I am in. So we talked a little more. I went out to my car. And I drove down to the river. You see, my God moment had been going for for over the span of several weeks. My Damascus Road. And tears started streaming down my face. And all the rage and all the hate and all the anger that I had at God and all the blame. (coughs) I just poured it out. And I said, You know what, God? I've been robbing You from what's Yours. I know You bought me. I know You saved me. I know You died for my sins. And I do not want this life anymore. And God revealed to me and I knew it. I knew it as clear as I know it right now. I can see all those events like they were yesterday. God wanted my life. God had plans for my life. God called me by name. And He's called you. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. He's called you. And He called me. And I have never looked back in 30 years. And that moment, I have nurtured that moment. I have nurtured that reality. I have nurtured that vision and that period of my life. And there have been, since that time, many such occasions where God, whether it was I was at a conference, whether I was in a conversation with a friend, whether it was my own time in the Word, whether it was at church one night, For you, it might have been at a conference or when you were at church or when you were all alone or you were on a vacation or you came to know Christ. Or for some of you and many of you, because I've received your letters, it's when you came to the rock, but you've forgotten about it. And you walked through those doors and God started talking to you and you know it was God and you know God had a call on your life and something special for it. But you walked away. You forgot it. You didn't nurture it. You didn't think it mattered. You didn't think it was important. It was the most important thing in your life. And I kid you not. I'm not not feeding you a line when I tell you. I revisit that moment in my life. Whenever things get difficult. Whenever things get tough. And it is that that fuels me. This calling, knowing biblically that God has called my life. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Ephesians something very profound. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ because of my preaching to you Gentiles. As you already know, God has given me this special ministry of announcing His favor and love for you Gentiles. As I briefly mentioned earlier in this letter, God Himself revealed His plan to me. And this is God's plan, that you Gentiles have an equal share with the Jews and all the riches inherited by God's children. By God's special favor and power, I have been given the wonderful privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Just think of it. Though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I am the least deserving Christian there is, I was chosen for the special joy of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone the plan that God, the Creator of all, has kept secret from the beginning. Paul has a really different perspective on life he, than many of us. When was the last time you wrote in your diary, Just think of it! I was chosen by God, hand-picked. By God, called by God to reveal Him to my neighbor, to my family, to my children, to my friends. God, the Creator of all, picked me, called me, appointed me, chose me. This was so meaningful, the Apostle Paul that he spent much of his life in prison, he was beaten times without number, he was stoned, and the man would not give up. Do you know why? Because he had a moment with God, and he never forgot it, and he nurtured it, and nurtured it, and nurtured it, and it was steadfast in his memory, and it filled him with energy and vitality. Paul writes over 11 times, he refers to his own calling. But not only does he refer to his calling, but in Romans, in Corinthians, in Ephesians, and in Ephesians, and in Peter. Countless times, the writer tells us, we've been called. You have been chosen. You have been given the special privilege by God. The question is, do you really get it? Have you really gotten it? I want to say in love, I hope by the end of this series, you get it or the Christian life is going to be the biggest burden of your life. I am not exaggerating. This is where the action is. This brings purpose and meaning and significance to everything you do. To everything you do. It brings passion to my fathering, passion to my husbanding, passion to my ministry, passion to how I mow the grass, passion to how I am with the neighbor. Passion to how you do your job. You may have thought, my job's mundane, your job is not mundane. Your job is being a light to someone by the way you do it. And you forgot your calling. You forgot how significant it is whether you cut hair, whether you're a janitor, whether you're a computer technician, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a student. No matter what it is you do, it is impassioned Listen very carefully to this. Not because you're doing what you love, but because you love whatever you do, because you understand the reason for it. You understand the reason for it. That you are a secret, special light to the world. And that God Himself has called you. I know many of you, I could call you up by name, that have had divine God moments in your life. You can look back and see the hand of God in your life. Ian has seen the hand of God in his life. Mona has seen the hand of God in her life. Gretchen has seen the hand of God in her life. Chad has had the touch of God in his life. And the list goes on and on. And you've had God moments. And you can look back now in your life and go, Oh my gosh, God was there. God was there. And that's how I ended up here. And your life is a living, breathing miracle. If that does not get to you, then the rest of what I have to say in this series won't make sense. And if that does not get to you, I hope by the end of this series some of the other things will. And when you put them all together they will put you on fire. And Lord knows we desperately need today in this city men and women who are ablaze for God. Men and women who are living passionate passionate lives. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm going to close with this verse. Paul prays this. So I continue praying for you. Ever since I first heard about you, I ask God to give you complete understanding of what He wants to do in your life. And we ask Him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. We pray They'll be strengthened with his glorious power. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I'm praying that you get it. I'm praying that you get it. What do you think the Ethiopian eunuch felt like? Have you ever thought about? You may not. Who, who are you talking about, Mark? There's this Ethiopian eunuch. And he comes to town. He's a devout person. He's a Bible-reading guy, but he does not know Christ. And he's sitting in his chariot reading. And all of a sudden, Philip the Evangelist just runs up alongside the chariot and says, Hey, you understand what you're reading? No, I'd like someone to explain it to me. Philip hops in, reveals Christ to him, baptizes him right there on the spot. And the Ethiopian eunuch, history tells us, heads back to Ethiopia without a church, without a support group, and proclaims Jesus Christ in Ethiopia. How is it possible? Because he had his God moment. He had his God moment. And I know for a fact that probably every one of you in this room, you don't need to pray, oh God, God, give me a God moment. You've had it. You just forgot it. You just maybe have not nurtured it. You just maybe have not been tapping into it, living in awareness of it, and letting it empower you. But I want you to know something. This church did not come to existence by accident. It was a divine God thing. And you did not end up here by accident. It was a divine God thing. And for many of you in this room, this church God used as your moment. And He's turned your life around. But you drifted from it. You forgot it. You got bored because you forgot it because you didn't treasure it because you didn't look back and go my gosh, there it was my God experience was God this is one of the reasons why my marriage is so precious to me I've never forgotten how could I forget how God supernaturally led me to Kathy it was a God thing I would have never met her without God and the whole story is a God story my whole 30 years is a God story And I'm not exaggerating. And for many of you, the same is true if you'd walk out of here tonight with a different set of glasses on. And you tap into it and you realize, listen, you were destined for a life of significance. You were destined for a life of meaning. The greatest being in all the universe has put his hand on you and called you out from all the world. And picked you and appointed you for the most significant purpose in the world. Let Get ready. Let me tell you, I'm not, again, I'm not exaggerating. My life turned around that night. Did every habit disappear? No. But I never went back to that life. My life turned around. Because I knew God had spoken to me. And I knew God had implanted in me a vision, and it wasn't very long. Like the next day, the next day, I was telling others the good news. I was standing outside my old high school with my Jesus Freak friend handing out gospel tracks. They were little comic books. I was hanging out at the youth center three nights later, playing foosball surrounded by young people because people are captivated by passion sharing with them. And I had their attention, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was visiting reform schools sharing the good news of Christ. And I was with a band and we were standing on college campuses sharing the good news of Christ because I knew this is my destiny. You may not stand on the stage. Your platform is your job. Your platform is your relationship. Your platform is your softball team. Your platform is your art club. But are you even aware of it? It's your time. This is your time. This is why I have chosen to give my life to young people. So you can understand it now and live the next 40, 50, 60, 70 years of your life inspired and enthusiastic because you understand you had your God moment and that vision and that reality has been burned in your mind and you nurture it. You never forget it. Please, please come back next week because there are at least three other things that brought passion to the Apostle Paul's life, they have also brought to mine, and I want to share it with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that you are present in this place. It is not an exaggeration. How many times there have been people in this audience that have experienced God right here in this room? Whether it was hot, whether it was cold, you're here. I had a young man walk up to me tonight, Lord, before the service, told me, you No, know, Mark, I left here about five or six weeks ago, hitchhiked out to Oregon. It was on that trip, God made it very clear to me, I need to back, be back here. The rock is my home. The rock is where God was moving in my life. I have, Lord, at home so many letters from men and women who have experienced God right here. And their lives have been changed. I pray, Heavenly Father, that You would remind each of us tonight of our God moment. And that it would live and burn in us as it did the Apostle Paul. And that we could say when we're 60, we're 70 years old, Oh, King Agrippa, I stand here today as passionate as ever because I was not disobedient to my heavenly calling and my heavenly Vision. most significant thing in the world, Lord, is to have been called by you, and we have, each and every one of us. The Bible says you've made us kings and priests and a holy people that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We're children of the light. We're children of another world. We're children of God. Sear that into our brains, into our minds, because frankly, nothing else even matters. It does not matter who my physical father was. It does not matter what my past was or is. All that matters is I am your chosen instrument. As are each one of these individuals here tonight, I pray they would realize it in Jesus' name.